You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma. Hosted by OMAG's claim supervisor, Brad Doublehead. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the OMAG All Access podcast. My name is Brad Doublehead. I'm a claim supervisor here at OMAG. And today, I am joined by Wes Buell, who is an independent appraiser with Meridian Claim Services. And we're going to have Wes on today to talk about ways that you can mitigate your damages after sustaining a loss that will help us in assisting you properly uh, with working through a property claim that you will file with OMAG. So good morning to you, Wes. Yeah, good morning. Great good to, to be have, on. Yeah, great to have you on. I'm excited to, to get to do this with you. It's something we've talked about for the last few weeks and, and something we wanted to have in the works. What we want to talk about today, Wes, is... Um, you know, how we're going to mitigate those damages anytime we have a property loss. But first off, before we dive into that, I want to have you tell all of our guests that may be listening a little bit about yourself, what your background is. So if you don't mind, just expound on that a little bit for us, Wes. Yeah, as Brad already mentioned, I work for Meridian Claims. I'm a property and casualty adjuster. I've been in the industry since 2004 actually have worked with OMAG ever since 2004 as far as working claims for them. So I have some knowledge on this, uh, on this, on these items and I'm happy to share them with your members and hopefully they'll gain some beneficial information out of the, uh, our podcast today. So, well, I know too, that before you started doing this and you have done it, like you said, since 2004, I believe you've had some experience in the construction business as well. Is, is that correct, Wes? Yeah, that's right. I worked uh, actually worked construction for about four years prior to uh, getting into the insurance industry, uh, which was beneficial. You know, you know how houses are constructed and from the bare bones up. So I do believe that uh, has been beneficial to my uh, career. I would certainly agree. Uh, and Wes is very knowledgeable. Uh, he's helped educate me on a lot of things that I was not aware of coming in green to the insurance industry back in 2010. Wes, uh, one of the things that we wanted to really highlight the harsh uh, winter months where we have, you know, experienced over the last couple of years, negative 13 degree temperatures, pipes bursting, you know, all of those things going on as far as uh, issues that arise whenever the temperature gets low. So one of the things that we typically encounter, and I know you can attest to this as well around these winter months, is water losses uh, due from pipes bursting. So if you don't mind, uh, walk us through what would be the best protocol to follow any time that you have a water loss sustained, either by a plumbing leakage or a pipe bursting from the freezing temps. Yeah, sure. As Brad mentioned, it was a winter month. That is usually when these pipes freeze. You come in the next day and you may have a water a building full of water. So the uh, if that does happen to you or one of your members, uh, the best uh, thing to do is obviously... Uh, investigate, find out where that water is coming from first off. Try to get that water turned off. If you need to contact the plumber, contact the plumber. Then you need to try to assess, assess the damages to the building. What all got wet? You know, how far did the water get? How? One of the things you need to consider is how long the water was actually running before it was discovered. That's important because it helps you determine whether or not you may be able to clean the water up yourself or if you need to get a professional water restoration company involved. If the water's been sitting for, say, overnight or and you have two or three inches of water in your building, I would suggest you get a water restoration company. Typically, that water will wick up and saturate into your drywall, 
if you were to just come in and extract that water and think you got it dry, you're sadly mistaken. Several days later, you'll start seeing mold on the walls. You'll have more problems there than you, you had originally thought. So now if it's one room and you may have, uh, you know, the water saturated the room, that may be a case where you are able to clean it up yourself. A lot of the, uh, a lot of city buildings do have commercial grade carpet, which is fairly easy to extract water from. Um, if you do have a carpet and pad, a lot of times you need to uh, remove that wet, you know, pull back the carpet, remove the wet pad. The pad's what holds most of your water, and that'll definitely speed up you, you know, dry in the building. A lot of whether or not you need a water restoration company depends on the amount of water in the building, how long it's set, and uh, if you have the manpower to properly clean it up yourself. Sometimes you, you know, if you can get people in, extract the water quickly, you can mitigate a lot of those a lot of the uh, damage without needing a water restoration company. If there's a question in your mind, though, a lot of times, yes, it's best to call one. And in the meantime, I always recommend you take photos. Take photos, notify your insurance carrier, let them know that, hey, we've had a loss, and they'll be able to provide you some additional direction on, on where to go from there. Yeah, I would agree with um, with everything you said, Wes. One of the things that popped up in my mind uh, whenever you were talking about letting the water set for an extended period of time or possibly thinking you've done a good enough job cleaning it up yourself is mold. You know, mold will arise if it's not properly cleaned or if it's allowed to set there for an extended period of time. And one thing I want to make mention of to our members who are listening is mold is not covered under the Municipal Property Protection Plan, which you are enrolled in with OMAG if you have your property coverage with us. Uh, That includes any uh, remediation of mold, any testing for mold, so I want you guys to be aware of that, uh, and, and that way you can address these issues as they come up with a sense of urgency, Wes. Right. I totally agree, because depending on how long that water sit, yes, uh, and what kind of what kind of uh, flooring and things you are dealing with, because if it's a laminate flooring and uh, you've got water underneath, a lot of, a lot of people think, well, I, I got the standing water up, I'm good. You know, we don't need to address anything further when it in reality, that water has migrated underneath that floor, and it's trapped in there, and it's just starting to mold. And then you'll see warping of the floor, and then next thing you know, all the floors have got to come up. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, you need to, again, assess what's going on first, and then obviously notify your insurance carrier if there's any question in your mind whether or not you can you can handle it yourself. And one of the things that we get questions on about water uh, mitigation companies, Wes, is, well, I feel like they have been in here an extended period of time longer than they should be. What are some of the things that you have seen uh, possibly inflate bills larger than they need to be? Uh, some things that our members can keep an eye out on when they do hire these companies to prevent that bill from being so high. If they uh, come in and they set up the equipment and say, well, your walls are saturated, you know, two feet high. Just they come in, and set up equipment. They don't pull any any baseboards or anything or drill holes in the walls to attempt to dry those items, that would be a red flag right there to tell you that, hey, these guys are just looking to run their equipment and um, and, and maybe inflate that bill. So typically when you do have a water mitigation company come out and there is uh, moisture in the walls, which they should be able to show you. They should have moisture readers and thermal imaging that they can say, hey, this, this water's wet or this wall's wet and needs to dry it. And, and if that's the case, you know, uh, typical protocols come in and, and uh, drill holes and pull the baseboard, drill holes in the bottom of the walls and get that air moving into those walls, cavities, so you can dry it. 
again, if it's set for a long period of time, the most efficient may be to just come in and flood cut the uh, bottom of the, the walls to remove that wet drywall and speed up the drying process. The other thing is, is we were speaking about carpet earlier. Carpet's relatively cheap versus sitting, sitting there and trying to dry carpet for a long amount of time, especially if they're not pulling the pad. The pad should be the first thing that comes out. A lot of times if you pull that pad, you're able to dry that carpet and save it. Whereas if you if you just set your equipment in there and you're trying to dry a pad that's saturated with water, along with the carpet, it's going to extend that drying process. And ultimately, you may end up replacing that carpet and pad in the long run anyway. So those are some things to look out for. Also, if the uh, mitigation company does not have a lot of manpower, is not responding quickly to your uh, I guess you could call it a disaster, but uh, but you want them to be out there and be efficient and, and keep you in the loop as what they're doing and how long they speculate that drying process to take so you can be informed on it also. Absolutely. And if you do have any questions throughout this process of having a water mitigation company out on your property, feel free to call us. We'll be happy to answer any questions you guys might have. Hey, I think that they've been out here longer than they need to be. Okay, well, what are they doing? What you know, what equipment is still behind? That will allow us to help us answer any questions that you might have about why they're still out there. And we don't mind even talking to the vendor as well and asking those questions on your behalf. So don't just let them stay there. If you if you start to get a feeling in your stomach that, hey, they've been here too long, or hey, what are they even doing? Is it really beneficial to us? Is it helping us move this claim process along? Feel free to give us a call and we'll be happy to give you some guidance on that. Another type of loss, West, that I know we're going to encounter is uh, fire losses. Uh, for some reason in the winter months, if you have a property that may uh, not be well supervised or well lit, you may have some activity as far as a homeless population coming in and, and you know setting a fire up outside and just trying to get shelter. And so we do have some fire losses that originate through the winter months. So what would be uh, one of the things that you would recommend people to do the moment they sustain a fire loss, you know, with the exception of going ahead and calling OMAG and putting us on notice. Again, kind of depends on what what uh, the extent of the fire is and what your circumstances involved in the building. But but yes, I would definitely um, always document the loss. That's that's very important. Uh, as far as you, most people know, insurance loves photographs. So if uh, if you're First on the scene, document the loss, take photographs with your phone, camera, whatever you can, and then determine whether or not the extent of the damage. Do you do you need to file a claim? Is there, you know, a fire you're going to have, depending on if fire department responded, did they spray water in the building? Is there wet items in the building? Is there smoke residue throughout the building? Things of that nature, whether or not you are going to need uh, professional assistance as to that loss. Uh, now, if the, the building's gone, obviously, that's probably going to be a total loss where you could photograph it, notify your carrier. Uh, again, the biggest thing is just use common sense and, and assess the damages and and, uh, and document them. And also, too, I want to add to that note is we will typically ask for a cause of the fire. So if you do have um, accessibility to a fire marshal that you can get out there and have them write up a report, we understand that majority of the time, the cause and origin is going to come back as undetermined. But we do want to know that you guys have made the effort to get somebody out there to investigate it, to see, is there any subrogation potential? Is it possible that someone else started this fire and they would be responsible for your damages? 
So just keep that in mind anytime you do sustain a fire loss. That is one thing that we will typically ask for, and that will help uh, move and uh, move the claims process forward for you guys. So then the last one I want to talk about, Wes, and I know it's a few months out, but really it's just around the corner, uh, is the dreaded Oklahoma winds that we have. And um, as we're well aware, uh, we're, we are in Tornado Alley uh, here in Oklahoma, and you know we're lucky if we go throughout a whole entire year without having an EF3 or EF4. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and I feel like will be extremely beneficial to our members, is what do they need to do after they have had a wind or tornado event and they've sustained damage to their roof? What are some things that they can do to help mitigate their damages? Yeah, this is uh, the most common claim we get in Oklahoma. Wind claims and tornado claims, obviously hail. But if you, uh, if you did sustain damage to your roof and it tore off a section of your roof, I always suggest, first off, document the damages as we've already discussed. Photograph those, notify your carrier. Make temporary repairs. Uh, if you can get a hold of a roofing contractor and he can come out and put a tarp over that area, or if a tarp is not a feasible repair, uh, depending on the type of, of roof surface it is, it is tough to tarp a commercial flat roof or something like that. But if they can come in and use the same materials as the roof currently has on it and patch that area, uh, temporarily, not saying to, to uh, tarp the entire roof, but to, to cover that area to prevent water from, from coming in until we can get out and inspect the damages and determine the extent of the damage to the roof. The uh, one thing to watch out for is a lot of these um, contractors will suggest, well, we'll tarp the entire roof. Well, when they do that, it is, it's tough for us to come out and assess the damages because they've tarped the entire roof. If there is an obvious area there water is getting in, then let's tarp that area make temp repairs of that area, and then we can inspect the rest of the roof once we're out. So those are just some suggestions as far as how to uh, handle the, that, that damage to your roof if you sustain it. I always tell people, if, if you can, keep it keep it local. A lot of these uh, roofing contractors that are local are, uh, you know, they live in your area and are more than happy to help get something on that roof to keep it from leaking and uh, and, and that's very beneficial to keep mitigate those damages to the interior of the building. And I also understand that some of our municipalities are smaller and they may not, may not have a local roofing contractor. And if it's something that you all feel like you can get up there and do yourselves or have some employees do yourselves in a safe manner, uh, we want to be risk adverse here at OMAG, but if you can do it in a safe manner and you can go out and purchase the materials at your local hardware store, then go ahead and do that. One thing that we would ask is, as Wes said, document the damages, take photos, of the area prior to you performing that temporary repair. And then also keep copies of your receipts because that's something that can be reimbursed uh, at the end of the loss when we go to settle the claim. So Wes, is there anything that you can think of that you would like to address with our members? Anything that you could think of that would be beneficial to them that we haven't already discussed and helping mitigate their damages anytime they sustain a property loss? Not, not that I can uh, recall right, right at the moment, but I would, uh, I, I would, would like to go back to the water claim real quick. And okay. uh, during the drying process, if if these, uh, if your water mitigation company is out there for numerous days, and you don't see any equipment being removed from this building as the drying process is taking place, that's a red flag. I mean, typically, as these companies are drying your building, they're going to be removing equipment as it dries because they don't need that much equipment so again that's another red flag that uh, tells you that these guys may not be doing what they're supposed to be doing 
they should be coming out and monitoring that equipment daily um, and checking that and, and, and monitoring the drying process. And they should also be able to provide you with moisture readings and all that and uh, documentation when they're done to, sh- to uh, support the process they took as far as drying the building. The other thing we've, we did not talk about as far as water mitigation is contaminated water versus fresh water. So that's another thing that uh, the members would want to consider. What What is the water source? Did it come out of drain lines? Was it dirty water, black water, contaminated water? If that's the case, yeah, you may need to call a water restoration company. Again, we don't, that, that water is dirty and uh, may need to be treated, cleaned up properly so you do not have a mold issue. And as Brad said earlier, the mold is, is most likely not covered. I don't, I think he said it's not covered under the policy. So, Correct. Yeah. Um, but those are, those are a couple other things I wanted to expound on. But, but uh, hopefully this helps your members as far as what to do when they do have a loss. I certainly think it will, Wes, and we appreciate your time today coming on and giving us this valuable information. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress enough, if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, my phone number direct line here at OMAG is 405-657-1404. I can be reached by email, too, if you prefer that method at bdoublehead at omag.org. Anytime you have a question, feel free to reach out. I would rather us educate you then you receive some sort of education from a water mitigation expert or a contractor, and it may not be the right thing. So feel free to reach out to us. We'll be happy to help you out any way that we can. I know Wes is also a valuable resource. So if he's ever out inspecting a property of yours and you have a question, Wes, I know that uh, your character is just, hey, I'm, ha- I'm here to help, and I'll be happy to provide you any information that I can. So don't, you know, don't hesitate to ask Wes anytime he is out there looking at a property of yours. But Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you again, as always, for tuning in to the OMAG All Access Podcast. And Wes, thank you for your time today. Thank you. All right. We hope you guys have a great day. Thanks again for listening. We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. This episode is copyright OMAG 2023. Under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.